But uh, if you weren't with us last week, we just kicked off a, a new sermon series called Connected. And this is really taking a look at our vision, our mission, our values as a church and kind of rallying ourselves around what we do and, and why we do it. And so we're going to give you kind of a, a brief recap of what we went through at much longer form last week. But we're going to be doing this every week because I, I was told early on when you are trying to communicate vision... Uh, you have to get to the point of being tired of talking about it. And that's when everyone finally is really hearing it and understanding it. And so you're going to hear about this at least six weeks in a row here, uh, our, our vision, our mission, and our values. And first of all, as we, as we look at our vision, you've heard these words a lot, that Maple Plain Community Church is a, a place to connect. Our vision is really, we want our, our church to be all about relationships and building those most important relationships in your life. We want to be a place to connect. And our mission kind of explains what those relationships are, that we want people to connect with God, to connect with others, and to connect others with God. And so our value is under that as we look at connecting with God as driven through the disciplines of prayer and worship and, and Bible study, that the Bible serves as the foundation to all we do as a community. As we build our relationships with others, that's driven by fellowship and discipleship and our Christian unity that we are united under the lordship of Christ. And lastly, uh, this is the, the, the furthest extent of what we do, is that we connect others with God through our Christian service, through our local outreach and global missions. And this is, in a nutshell, everything we do, all, all of our efforts should be housed under this, uh, these values, these, this mission, and this vision. And then when people come to our church, our mission also becomes our discipleship model, that our first priority is to make sure that people are connected with God. And maybe you're one here that's just kind of searching, and you haven't made that commitment, you haven't built that relationship with the Lord. You're welcome to come as long as you want, but our goal is that you have a connection with God, that you have a relationship with Him. And we move you into building relationships with one another. And finally, we move you into Christ's call, his commission to the church, which is to make disciples. That we are connecting others with God. We're making disciples and bringing them back into the church. And it's a cyclical mission that we do over and over and over again until every last person in the world is saved. So we've got some work to do. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. And today we're going to talk specifically about connecting with God through worship. Uh, well, I just want to briefly touch on some goals. I almost skipped over this part. The most important part of what are we doing with this? Uh, first, as we connect with God, we're giving you the challenge this year to spend 10 minutes a day reading the Bible and praying, which might not sound like a lot, but we all get really busy, and the average person doesn't do this. So last week we talked a lot about that. I encourage you to go back and take a listen to that. And there's many resources in that. But we'll be touching on this regularly throughout the year. Give them 10. Give them 10 minutes a day. The next goal that we'll be talking about next week is getting together. And we have a variety of connection groups in our church that are designed with the purpose of building relationships with one another. And so our goal is that two out of every three uh, regular attenders of our church is involved or, or plugged into a connection group of some kind. Again, Pastor Chris will be talking about that more next week. He's our discipleship pastor. And then the big goal, the big one for all of us, is that we want to reach 200 people 
with the gospel of Christ this year. And this is, this is all of us working together, that every individual at MPCC should share the gospel with at least one person in the year 2023, totaling 200 as a community. This is something we're going to be talking about every week. And soon we're going to kind of launch how you can submit that. Uh, we want to hear stories from you. I just had a great conversation with someone this week in which she said, I did that already. And I said, great. You don't have to come to church for the rest of the year. No, I'm just <laughs> but she talked about sharing Jesus with someone in her life. And, and it's just that simple moment of where you're at. And I hope to have her up soon to, to talk about that before all of you. But all of us are going to be rallying around this goal. This is Christ's purpose of the church, is to make disciples, to share the gospel. But as I said, today we're going to talk about worship. This is a, a crucial part of the, the Christian life. It's the most basic purpose of the church is to worship and to glorify God. And if all we're doing is not centered around worship, then we have to ask ourselves, why are we doing it? And we can kind of get this topic of worship wrong in a lot of ways. We, sometimes we just overcomplicate it. And we say worship happens at a specific time, specific place, with the right words in the right way, wearing the right clothes, etc., etc. But worship is an all-encompassing part of our life as believers. We can make it too shallow, where we just go through the motions, and you do the things without any heartfelt response to God. Or, or maybe make it too narrow, and we say worship happens just once a week. This is our worship. This is an extension, our corporate expression of worship, but worship happens all the time in your life. It reminds me of a story, uh, I, I may have shared this a number of years ago, but of Howard Hughes, who was a really influential person throughout his life. When he died in 1976, with, with a lot of influence in a lot of areas, and one of those areas was casinos. He owned a number of casinos in Las Vegas. And, and to honor him in his death, they all decided, this group of casinos, to take a one-minute break. All gambling would cease. All music would be shut off. Everyone's going to take one minute to honor the life of Howard Hughes. And so, sure enough, they all synced up their watches. This minute came. There was a moment of silence, and one of the pit bosses is, is watching that second hand kind of go around his clock, his watch. And as soon as it hits 60 seconds, he says... All right, he had his moment. Let's get back to the dice. And his moment of reverence was quickly undone. But that's how we can sometimes do worship. It's, all right, God had his moment this week. Now I've got to get back to my regularly scheduled program, get back to my life and the things that I find important, the things I want to do when I want to do them. But worship really is meant to be a lifestyle. Anything you do can and should be an act of worship to God. And worship, in its most simple definition, is to know the love of God and then to love him back. John MacArthur says, Worship is everything you are responding and reacting to everything God is. And we desire here that everyone understands and pursues and connects with God through this lifestyle of worship. So today we're going to study Psalm 100 fairly quickly. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, just bow our heads in prayer and commit this time to the Lord. 
So God, as we open up to Psalm 100 and we we read this psalm and and know uh, that there's so much we could be saying about worship today, uh, God, that it's really quite simple, that we just need to love you with all of who we are and, and, and just offer all of ourselves before you, that we truly die to ourselves and be living in you. So I, I pray, God, you would strip away all those things from our lives, all the things that we hold on to and, and clutch with white knuckles, these tight fists, God, that we would just release them to you, that we would know that you are God, that would be joyful in who you are. God, we're thankful for all that you've done, and we proclaim your goodness. So I pray as we study this psalm and have more time to worship today, God, that you would be moving in us, working in our hearts, and really releasing us into this freedom of worship, that we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, may we experience that freedom as we worship you with our lives. So bless this time. Let my words be your words, and speak to us now through your Holy Spirit, we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's read together just these five verses. This is one of those short psalms, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's kind of a short and simple psalm, but the purpose of this psalm is listed right at the beginning that this is a psalm for giving grateful praise. In other words, this is kind of instructing you in in how to worship God. And the first thing we see is that we're to worship God with joy, to shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, joy is not an elective activity for a Christian. Joy should be encompassed in every part of our life, and it's also something we can't leave out in our worship. Authentic worship is always accompanied with joy. The best definition I found, biblical definition of of joy, is a perpetual gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting Jesus. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. And we read in the scriptures that there's there's a joy of our salvation. So it's something that we we choose. It's not circumstantial, right? We We have to have joy in all situations, joy through every kind of trial in life, and we always say, I would be much more joyful if I had blank. If things were different in my life, I could have more joy. But it's not something we just choose, it's something that God gives. And when you come before God in His presence, you're overwhelmed with this sense of joy to know that everything you need is everything God has already given you. It's interesting to me that the greatest amounts of joy I've seen in worship are in the places where people have the absolute least. And I've been on a few uh, overseas mission trips, and, and I'm always taken aback by how people can come with literally nothing to these worship services, with teeth missing and nothing but rice 
for weeks and clothes that are tattered. And there's this freedom, this expression of joy in the worship service that I've never seen anywhere else. And it's proof to me that joy in your life has absolutely nothing to do with the things around you, but everything to do with the reality inside of you. Joy comes only from God, and authentic worship is to be accompanied with the joy. We read that we're to shout with joy for the Lord, and this means that there's this sense of exuberance and excitement in worship. That you are worshiping the king of kings who's given you everything you need. What that verse essentially means is that there should be a distinguishable difference between you and a corpse when you're worshiping. Right? Clap, shout, sing, have joy that the Lord is God. We're to worship him with gladness. And the word that's uh, used here for worship is interesting. It also can be translated as serve. To serve the Lord with gladness. In fact, through most of the Psalms, worship and service are, are, are kind of the same word. What this means is that worship is about giving to God. It's about serving him with your life. And we live in such a consumeristic culture that we're so focused in what we receive all the time. That oftentimes we come to worship in the same way. You might walk away from a church service one day just kind of bitter and and grumbling and say, I didn't get anything today. It's the perspective we can get with worship. I didn't receive anything today. They didn't play the songs I liked. The pastor didn't say the words I wanted. I didn't like the way that person in front of me didn't greet me when I walked through the door. I didn't get anything. And that perspective will suck joy, not only out of your worship, but out of your life faster than anything else. Worship is a service to the God who saved you. And it's always more about what you can give than what you can receive. We sing these joyful songs before him. We're singing for the king. This moment that unites all of us before him, that we're singing and saying the same things, knowing who he is and and who we are. Singing to the audience of one. I read a story uh, from Mark Twain, actually. He's a world traveler in his life. and, And he went to the country of Bavaria, which no longer exists. But he, he noted there that the Bavarian king had great respect and admiration from all the people. And this, this king loved the arts. And he wanted this art to be special for him. So when he saw a painting he liked, he would visit the, the artist and say, can you paint that again, but just for me? He would do this in all these places. But one time Mark Twain went to a theater in which they gave a performance. And at the conclusion of that performance, the king walked through the foyer and asked that everyone be emptied out, and that all of the actors and actresses would do the performance again for just the king in the audience. And they were so compelled by their respect and their love for the king that it was said that they gave the best performance of their life with the audience of one. And that should be our attitude in worship. When we worship with joy, is that we give God our very best, our very all, 
And so that's the key of joy to worship, is understanding the most simple fact, that it's not about you. That it is solely about him. And that you are to give him your absolute best in whatever you're doing. The only way to worship with joy is to know that it is not about you. Worship God in reverence. We see in in verse 3 here. Now, oftentimes when you hear the word reverence, you might think of, of joy as shouting and being excited. And reverence you think of as stiff and and boring. Don't make too much noise. That's not what reverence means. Reverence can bring you to that state of of humility and, and quietness, but reverence really means to understand who God is and to understand who you are before him. Right? We tend to be so myopic in our view of life Our perspective of of everything is really filtered around us. And this is common for every person. What's most important to me today are, are my priorities, the things I want and desire, the things that I control. I, I care most about what people think and say about me. But reverence is this moment of knowing who God is and who you are before him. Reverence essentially is knowing that the world doesn't revolve around you, but the one who created the world. To know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. Six simple words that have incredible impact on your life. Know that the Lord is God. God, that he is the creator of all things, that everything you have ever seen and thought of and imagined was created by God with the words of his mouth, that he is the almighty, omnipotent, endless in possibilities God, that no matter what you're going through, you can know that the Lord is God, that no matter what you can imagine, God can do immeasurably more than what you ask for or imagine. God is eternal that he always was and and always is and, and always will be. And right now, God is surrounded by angels and every living being as they fall before him and worship in the splendor of his majesty. The Lord is God. And you are not. This is the reverence that brings you to worship. That God is the author of life and he made you. He knows every single part of you. That's who you are. It is he who made us. That you are his creation. And he made you on purpose with great value. It doesn't matter what the world says about life. It doesn't matter what legislation says about life. God knows you and He loves you. Psalm 139 is one that explains that concept very well. 
For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. And when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This is the reverence that that drives our worship, that the Lord is God and that he made us and that we are his when you realize that, and you think on that, how can you not just fall before your knees before him and say, thank you, God, because I, I know who you are, I know who I am, but most importantly, I know whose I am, that we are his people, the sheep of his pastor. God made you. He knows every single part of you. He knows every word before you even spoke it, and yet he loves you. And he keeps you. Yes, he knows you. He knows what you said the other day. He knows what you thought this morning. And all of your faults and your failures and your flaws, he knows you and he loves you. And the amazing part of all this is that he doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on us. Reverence is knowing who God is, knowing who you are, but most importantly, knowing whose you are. God never gives up, and he never leaves you. We are the sheep of his pasture. Worship is a time, then, when you understand those things, to express your gratitude to God through thanksgiving, through thankfulness. That we are to enter his courts or his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and give thanks to him and, and praise his name. Now, this is one of the many psalms that illustrates the need for thankfulness in our life. But thankfulness is at the very heart of worship. Gratitude for who God is and all he's done. And the absence of gratitude is discontentment. The opposite of thanksgiving is complaining. And we are so good at that. We are so good at complaining. You know, it's been studied, this this idea of complaining and discontentment and negativity. And, And did you know that every time you complain... There's chemicals released in your brain that become addictive. Complaining is addictive. And once you start down that path, it's really hard to undo it. And everything in your life can be the most terrible thing, and you have to let everyone know about it. But do you know the solution to that? The antidote? Gratitude. Expressing thanksgiving to God. And every time you complain, I I just challenge you for a 24-hour period, commit to this. Every complaint that comes in your mind or out of your mouth, replace it with three things you're thankful for. Your life will vastly improve. The life of the people around you will vastly improve. 
But this isn't just my suggestion. This is actually God's commandment for you. This is God's will for your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says that to give thanks in every situation, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in every situation, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. And in other words, if you are a Christian, God's desire is that you are grateful and thankful. And then you express that to God and worship. And complainers might say, you don't know how bad my life is, though. You don't see what I see. Now, the truth is, if, if you're looking for something to complain about in your life, you're going to find it. You will always find it. But if you look for something to be thankful in your life, you will also always find it. And for Christians, we always have something to be thankful for. God saved you. God saved you when you didn't deserve it, but he loved you enough to do it anyway. And that realization is what brings you to a place of worship, to express that to God, thank you. Despite all else, thank you that you saved me. And nothing and nobody can ever take that away from me. And it is mine to hold on to for eternity. Thank you. Worship always comes with a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. The last part is this. We worship, we just take a moment to just, just brag on who God is. Okay? Worship through proclamation. Just, just speak the truths of God. For the Lord is good. It's the first part of this. The Lord is good. Right? God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. Right? And it's easy to say that in here. Now say it out there. And that's what worship is, is, is proclaiming the truth of God, that he is good. And it doesn't matter how disappointing the world is, how frustrating it makes you, how scared it makes you. God is good. And no matter what man has intended for evil, God can use for good. Just keep it on repeat all day. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And, and, and I really just took a moment to think about that for a while this week. His love endures forever. His love is something we can never understand. We experience it, but we will never understand the depths of his love for us. And the more you know, the more it's just crazy to you. But his love endures, it continues, it never runs out. He never gives up on you. He doesn't get frustrated with you and, and leave you. It endures forever and ever and ever. Say those things. And when you proclaim it, it means you believe those things. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God makes promises that he doesn't abandon. And through all the years and all the people, he continues to be good 
and loving and faithful forever. Worship is a time to proclaim those truths of God and to let them settle deep in your heart. We can repeat a lot of things with our lips. Latest gossip, the latest political goings-on. For me, it's usually sports statistics and how pessimistic I am about the next Minnesota sports season. But we can say a lot of things with our mouth, but the most important are the truths of God. Proclaim that the Lord is good, that his love endures forever, and that his faithfulness continues through all generations. God doesn't give up on us. We're here to rise above ourselves to proclaim the truths of God and worship. But it doesn't matter your title, your talents, your tenure as a Christian. All of us together are united when we worship God above ourselves. But boy, do we get this wrong sometimes. Boy, do we get this wrong. And I'm guilty in that too, right? All of us as people get this wrong because we make it about ourselves. But you know what? There's, there is actually um, a perfect worship service going on right now of people who are gathered. Absolutely perfect in every way. And we read about it in Revelation 4. And this is a moment when John, the Apostle John, is getting a vision of heaven, of what's going on there. And, and he, he understands that there's a throne at the center of heaven. And surrounding this throne are these four mysterious creatures we don't know much about. But it says that they were surrounding this throne of worship, and day and night they never stopped saying, what's in this for me? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of, of course. I'm kidding. They're, they're surrounding the throne. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Without ceasing. Day and night, forever. There's creatures surrounding the throne of Christ, worshiping him, saying, holy, holy, holy. And as this is happening, there's these 24 elders that come in. Again, we don't know what they are, but it, it appears that they have this position of, of power and prestige and authority. The people who would walk in a room and consider themselves, you know, pretty important. And they come around. And they, they are before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever. After they fall down on their face, and they lay their crowns down before him, and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. It doesn't matter who they are, what they have, but they fall on their face before God and lay down their crowns. That's heaven right now. And do you know what this is this morning? This is our opportunity to have a taste of heaven. To be his living creatures before his throne giving him the glory, laying down whatever crown it is in your life, the thing that you hold most valuable and important, you lay it before him and say, you, God, are worthy 
to receive glory and honor and power. We get to taste that in this moment. You know, it's, it's, it's said throughout the scriptures that heaven is kind of like a big banquet. There's a big banquet table where people gather and, and Jesus receives the, the place of honor. And, and a banquet in this culture is like the most intimate of fellowship that we get to have. And that's what Sunday mornings should be like, is our corporate time to worship, to come together and have this banquet table where, where joy is the centerpiece and it's filled with reverence and thanksgiving and proclamation and the table is set and it can all be ruined. If someone wants to come and clear the table and slap down their personal agenda and say, this is what I want today. You know, I, I, I've seen some ugly things in my time of ministry. I've now been in organized ministry for over 20 years. There have been a lot of different churches, and I've seen two people screaming in the foyer after the service because one thought the other person's style of worship was too distracting. I've seen someone publicly shamed because one person didn't like the way they came dressed to the worship service that day. I've seen a lot of things that used to frustrate me. I'm at the point where it just makes me sad. It just makes me sad. And I, like I said, I'm guilty of this too. This is common to all people. We mess this up. But what we're doing is robbing ourselves of a taste of heaven. That we come before God and worship him for who he is. This, this is a time to humble yourself before God. To worship him in joy and reverence and gratitude and proclaim his goodness. And when you do that, when you worship God in that way, you experience freedom. You experience freedom from yourself. Worship is an offering to God and we are to offer ourselves that we die to ourselves and be raised in Christ. That's your offering of worship, is yourself. So I'm going to give ourselves a time to really provide the true conclusion, the wrap-up of our sermon today. I'm going to invite Chris forward. You guys get to wrap up the sermon today. We're going to have a time where we, we can worship together. In the most simple of ways, just a guitar and a voice, we're going to start with a song that you probably all know, but maybe you don't know the story behind. It's called The Heart of Worship. You could probably all sing it in your minds right now. But Matt Redman was a songwriter who did a lot of things in his life, many songs we continue to sing now. But this just shows this is a problem, not just in American church, but in church, church in general. He was in a church in England, and, and they had... You know, all of the, the big production worship service going on, and lots of people were coming in, but people started nitpicking and arguing and losing sight of what they were doing and why. And they decided as a church, you know what? We're going to take a break from all of it. We're just going to come and gather as people, and we charge people with one simple question. How are you going to give to God and worship today? How are you going to be a producer of worship today 
rather than a consumer. And they just allowed the people to kind of do whatever was on their hearts. And after a few weeks of awkwardness, they came with just simple songs and scriptures and, and testimonies of what God was doing. And they, they refocused on what worship was all about. And the reality is, it's not about you. And this is how that song came to be. It's a song that we continue to sing. And it's a song that helps us reflect where our hearts are in worship. And so today, I'm going to ask you to stand as we close our service in singing and giving God all the glory and the honor and the power that he's due.